Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. It's May 1st, and I'm Kimberly Johnson, NBC. My co-host Stephanie Walton is off today, but she will be back on May 15th. And today, a little bit later, I'm going to be talking with Kate Kelly. Kate is a human rights attorney at Equality Now and has actively worked on ERA ratification at the state and national level since 2012, just like me. And she attended the Equal Rights Amendment hearing yesterday, and we're going to hear all about that. And it's the first ERA hearing in 36 years. So this is a really big deal. Um, Also, after that conversation, I'm going to be chatting with David Ferguson, aka T-Rex. He's a political writer, and he's a regular on the Bob Seska podcast. And right now, David is writing a book, so we're going to be discussing that as well as politics. But first, I I want to uh, once again thank everybody who helped me uh, get the new computer for the show, which I'm going to be learning uh, the new production this weekend, Bob Seska is going to teach it to me, so I'll know. And just a friendly reminder, reminder that Start Me Up is a, a listener-supported show, and we rely on patrons like you to keep us going. So please consider supporting the show with any dollar amount. Um, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. $5 usually gets you into the end another thing segment, but today that's going to be with David and it's going to be free. So um, it's all good, but you can support the show for any dollar amount, $1, $5, $10,000, whatever you want. That would be great. <laughs> um, all right. So now that that's all out of the way, I would love, I'm excited to introduce my guest, Kate Kelly. Hey, Kate. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh my God, I'm so glad to have you on. You're really such an inspiration. And you know, what's interesting is I found out that uh, you were at the 2012 We Are Woman rally. I know. When I heard that, I was, that is so crazy. (laughs) You know, Um, I, uh, I didn't, I was wrong. I didn't help set that rally up. I helped with the 2014 rally, but I did speak at the 2012 rally. Like such a funny, small world. I know. Um, yeah, that was actually my first ever ERA action that I did. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. how did, how, you know, how did you come to discover that we don't have an equal rights amendment? So I was raised Mormon and the Mormon church played a large role in killing the ERA in the original go round. And so I actually learned about the ERA a lot growing up as something that was bad and evil. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew about it. Uh, from a pretty young age, um, my grandmother, the Mormon church actually organized women in all 50 states uh, to fight the ERA wow. along with Phyllis Schlafly and yeah. those other conservative groups. But they were really, really actively engaged. And my grandmother was actually the state anti-ERA coordinator for the state of Arizona. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, so I knew about it growing up. Uh, But it wasn't until I went to law school and I started learning about the Constitution and I learned about intermediate scrutiny and I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) wait a minute. All these other categories get what's called strict scrutiny, which is the best and it's the hardest to keep those laws on the books, you know, like race and religion and national origin. And then like gender has its own category that's kind of crappy. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I started rethinking the ERA uh, and I graduated from law school in 2012 and a friend invited me to help revamp what's a group called Mormons for the ERA, Hmm. uh, which was a group that originally fought for it in the 1970s. So I went to that rally and I carried a banner that said ERA missionaries are everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) 
Wow. That that's just a trip. You know, I learned at that rally, I met Kamala Lopez. And uh, I've told this story a million times, but she came up to me and she said, do you know that women or do you believe women are equal? And I think I answered yes. And she told me that they weren't. And as soon as I um, discovered this, it became my mission. And the funny thing is that um, in I think it was 2017, there's uh, a, a man named Renato Mariotti. He's a former federal prosecutor and he was running for, I think, attorney general in Illinois. And he asked if I would come into a, a chat room with him and a bunch of other people to help push his candidacy. And, and Alyssa Milano was in that room. And so I knew that Illinois was um, looking to ratify at that time. And so I, I mentioned it to him and Alyssa saw it and, and she's like, what's this? And so I, I gave her like a brief paragraph and I said, I, I, yeah, I said, I'd be happy to send you more information. I don't want to, you know, take up all everybody's time in this room. And she's like, this is going to be my new mission. And I was, I was so thrilled because I've been working on it since 2012. And I mean, I've been a blogger and I've had some um, really great opportunities with having Facebook pages that have a huge reach. So I've been able to do some education myself, but you know, I, I wanted to find somebody, my, I, myself and a group of other women, we're, we were like trying to figure out who could we get to talk about this. You know, we were trying to get Oprah to talk about it. And then so, I mean, Alyssa is just such a fierce, passionate activist. So clearly when she found out about it, as you know, she yeah. just dove in. It's and incredible. I, and yeah. she's super knowledgeable about the subject yeah i've worked with a lot of celebrities on a lot of different pet causes over the years uh and to varying success but she is really dedicated Mm -hmm. uh she knows about the issues she understands the constitution like she is yeah she's a powerhouse She, she blows my mind i mean the fact that she's like she literally puts her money where her mouth is she drives people to the polls she shows up she gives speeches she you know, I mean, it's like, how does she even have time to have a career, like an acting career? I know, I know, and also does amazing things, and is the host of my favorite show, Project Runway All-Stars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get back to the ERI. So, just for people who are not aware, um, real quick, the ERI text says, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. So as a lawyer, can you explain, because there are people who say, well, does this cover trans? Does this cover, you know, whatever? Explain how it covers everyone and why. Yeah, so um, I think the, mo- the easiest thing, to, or I guess there's two parts to the ERA that are very important, equally important. The first part is, like you said, 27 words, pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. It says that uh, governments essentially can't pass laws that discriminate on the basis of sex. That is not the case as it currently stands. Right. So what happens now is if a government, you know, state or local or federal government passes a law that discriminates on the basis of sex and someone challenges it in court, goes all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has to decide how to treat it because there is not a gender provision in our constitution, as every other industrial industrialized nation in the world has, mm-hmm. uh, we, there, it's not clear what to do. So the 14th Amendment has been used, uh, what's called the Equal Protection Clause under the 14th Amendment has been used to uh, kind of decide these cases. And that's how this 
regime of scrutiny was created. It's very confusing. You can go through a constitutional law course in law school and still not understand <laughs> the levels of scrutiny, and it's very intentionally obtuse. Uh, but the basic principle is uh, that you have to the government has to provide a reasonable excuse for passing a law on the basis of these categories. Mm -hmm. So, for example, race, religion, national origin, like I said, they get what's the what's called the strict scrutiny, which is the highest level, and it's really hard to pass those kinds of laws. Uh, because of the Equal Rights Amendment, at the time, these cases that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was bringing forth on the basis of sex, if you've seen that movie, you see she's going to the Supreme Court, she's trying to get, you know, gender to put be put in there. Mm -hmm. But because the Equal Rights Amendment was pending at the time, essentially the court created a separate category for discrimination on the basis of sex that's called intermediate scrutiny. Doesn't really sound that menacing. Sounds pretty boring. Uh, but basically, intermediate scrutiny means uh, there has to they have to prove intent, uh, and it's actually easier to make and keep sexist laws on the books. Mm -hmm. So even under our current constitutional regime, women do appreciate some protection, largely thanks to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm -hmm. long may she live. Uh, <laughs> but we don't, we don't receive full protection under the law, and it's not the same as the other categories. So essentially, the idea is that it would lift uh, discrimination on the basis of sex uh, from this intermediate scrutiny to strict scrutiny. What does that mean? That means you know, we can't always control who's on the Supreme Court. We've got Kavanaugh, we've got this like you know, group of Gorsuch. Yeah. Yes, we've got some uh, unfriendly characters uh, to <laughs> rights of women. But what we can do is change the document they interpret. So that's what they do. Um, and as a strict const, or you know, they are what's called. Um, uh, originalists, so they have a strict interpretation of the le the language of the Constitution, but even an originalist will have to agree that in the Constitution there is a provision for altering it uh, hmm. and amending it, and if we amend the Constitution, they will be bound by those words. What that will mean obviously remains to be seen, but it will strengthen that protection. The second clause of the, Const of the Equal Rights Amendment is actually... Um, kind of a Trojan horse, although it's explicitly in there, so it's not hidden. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a provision that Congress can pass laws to enforce the Equal Rights Amendment. And so what happens now is uh, under the provisions of federalism, the federal government is actually very limited as to what laws they can pass that apply to all the states. A lot is left up to the states. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so laws that protect women have to fit in under the Commerce Clause, which is pretty difficult. Um, so one recent example is a, an FGM law, so a law banning female genital mutilation, so not allowing women and girls in the United States to be mutilated for no medical purpose, um, was hmm. overturned by a district court judge who said that it did not fit under the, Congress or the Commerce Clause and so that Congress didn't have the authority to pass it. Oh. That would be, I know, it's hideous um i just feel rage <laughs> um yeah so many things to feel rage about uh so but uh, with the equal rights amendment that second clause we wouldn't need the commerce clause anymore we would be able to pass laws to protect women on the uh on, against discrimination on the basis of sex so we would have a permanent anchor in the constitution we'd be able to strengthen uh, laws that protect women from violence all these different things so the equal rights amendment the way i describe it is 
it's if you had a genie and you wanted to ask the genie for wishes on gender equality, <laughs> the Equal Rights Amendment is like asking for a thousand more wishes. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. So let me ask you this, because I do hear people who are trans uh, say, is it going to protect me? And my answer to that is, yes, it's going to protect everybody, because um, no matter what sex you are, no matter what gender you are, identify as, you will be protected. Because this isn't just a, a protection for women. Women will benefit from it more than anybody because they get discriminated against more. Um, but, you know, no matter what, if you're a man and you've been discriminated against based on your sex or your gender, um, this amendment would protect you, correct? Yeah. So um, the the good thing about the current language of the Equal Rights Amendment, which was written in 1923 by Alice Paul, is it explicitly says on the basis of sex. Mm -hmm. the, wo the word women or woman is not in it. Right. And so this, uh, this came up at the hearing actually yesterday, and it was talked about several times, and all of the panelists agreed that they thought that uh, based on current interpretation and precedent and jurisprudence, uh, that the, on the basis of sex would include not only trans people, but also discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. Yeah. So, and, and men. And we saw that with all the cases that Ruth Bader Ginsburg went through. She often targeted discrimination that um, was against men in hmm. order to highlight the principle that discrimination on the basis of sex hurts everyone. Yes. Wow, that's interesting. What could, could you give me one example of uh, when men were discriminated and how you know in what way they were? Yeah, one of the cases uh, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, litigated was actually about uh, social security benefits um, and whether or not men could receive uh, these federal benefits for being essentially the the caregiver parent. Uh, and so that was overturned. It was basically, you know, the, the fact that men were discriminated against uh, in this particular benefit was overturned. And she did that very intentionally. If you, yeah. it's, it's highlighted well in the movie. <laughs> Which I have um, to see. Yeah. <laughs> I have not yet see seen it. it. It's very good. Um, but essentially she used that strategy because there were all men on the court and she wanted them to be able to see themselves in this regime. Wow. She's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, it's a little problematic that you have to be the person discriminated against in yes. order to understand that discrimination is bad and wrong. Right. Uh, but that's a separate issue. And so, yeah, <laughs> trans women are some of the women who are most discriminated yes. against in our society. Uh, and I've repeatedly said, and I, in fact, uh, wrote an article about it in The Advocate that it's called The ERA is Queer. Um, and I talk about the ways in which trans people will uh, and hopefully be uh, included under the Equal Rights Amendment and that it includes uh, people of all marginalized genders. Wow. You know, I wanted to ask you something because I'm not sure about this, but I read the book Equal Means Equal by Jessica Neuwirth. And one of her points was that in the Equal Pay Act, there is a loophole that allows employers to base a current salary on past salary. So the loophole is that if you've been earning less based on uh, gender discrimination, so if you're a woman and you've had a job where you've earned less than a man, and then you go to look for a new job, uh, that employer can look at what you've earned in the past and, and, and legally pay you less than what they're paying men based on this past salary loophole thing. Do you, are you familiar with this? And do you know if it's still in effect? 
Yeah, um, and I'm just going to put in a plug for Jessica's book. If anyone wants to know everything there is to know yeah. about the Equal Rights Amendment, um, it's one of the best, and it's very short. It's a quick primer, uh, and you should read it. So yes. Equal Means Equal by Jessica Newworth, um, who uh, founded my organization, Equality Now, and also uh, the ERA Coalition. So uh, the the pay inequity problem is a big problem, um, and for and, in, for example, in New York, they passed a law that it's actually illegal to ask past salary. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, so they can no longer ask that for obvious reasons. Yeah. It disproportionately um, discriminates against women. And that's part of the reason that women are paid less because it's based on their previous shitty salary. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, uh, yeah, I think things like that. Uh, it, the thing about the Equal Rights Amendment is it's not a panacea. It doesn't automatically happen. You know, just like think of other amendments, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. Um, those didn't automatically mean what they mean today. It took, you know, hundreds of years of litigation. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, legislation to make it as robust as it currently is. That's what we're going to have to do with the Equal Rights Amendment. Once we have this anchor, it's going to be a platform upon which we can build a scaffolding of really robust protections on the basis of sex. Wow. Well, you know, I, for, for anybody who's listening and isn't really familiar as you mentioned, Alice Paul wrote this in 1923, and it followed the 19th Amendment, which she also wrote, which was getting women the right to vote, women's suffrage. And interestingly, the text of both the 19th Amendment and this Equal Rights Amendment are very similar. There's just a few differences because obviously the right to vote was included in, in the 19th. Um, but it was introduced, was it, intro it was written in 1923. Do you know the year that it was introduced to Congress? It was introduced in 1923, okay. and every year until 1972 when it passed, uh, the language was slightly altered in 1943 from the original 1923 language. Um, but yeah, it was introduced every year in Congress uh, until it passed in 1972. And then um, it just started whipping through the states because we had the second wave feminism um, mm -hmm. movement, and we got 35 states. And as you mentioned, Phyllis Schlafly came along and started telling a bunch of ridiculous lies about it, like that, that we were going to have unisex bathrooms and women were going to be sent to fight in the middle. They were going to be drafted, which is BS because um, Congress has always had the ability to draft women and they have chosen not to and they could do it right now if they wanted to. So um, right now, if, they if, if Congress decided, OK, we're going to draft women, women don't have equal protection in the Constitution. Right. So, um, you know, she also yeah. talked about abortion mandates and, and everything. Yes. Could, could you actually, <laughs> I think you were talking about this the other day. Everything that they warned has yes. already happened. Yes. And yeah. the Equal Rights Amendment is not in the Constitution. Can you go over a little bit of that? Because that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, Phyllis Schlafly is such an interesting character because she posed as sort of this housewife uh, type person, but really she actually was an attorney who ran for mm -hmm. Congress <laughs> and was a full-time act anti-ERA activist who traveled the, the country and the world uh, saying that women didn't need or want protection in the Constitution. And eventually uh, her she and her ilk are what killed the Equal Rights Amendment in the first go-round. So they used lots of um, scare tactics that are kind of these culture war, culture war arguments that are used for almost everything under the sun that the right doesn't want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, we don't want it. It has to do with abortion. Yeah, um, exactly. And, 
And so, yeah, I think all of the arguments, uh, you know, they were like gay marriage was a big one. Mm-hmm. And so they taught, you know, if we pass the Equal Rights Amendment, <laughs> gay people will get married. Oh. Um, and it's like, oh, that already happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, women in combat was another big one, which women are serving in combat. Like you said, uh, women are eligible for the selective service. In 2017, the Pentagon re- recommended actually that women register with the selective service. Uh, in 2016, the, the Senate passed a bill that would have required women to register. Um, that was supported by Senator John McCain and others mm-hmm. uh, who supported this. So no matter how you feel about the draft, uh, the Equal Rights Amendment actually has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, very recently, uh, just a few months ago, a federal judge ruled that a male-only draft would be unconstitutional even under the 14th Amendment. Right. So that's already happening without the ERA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true of a lot of these other arguments, gender-neutral bathrooms. Um, so right. a lot of these things have completely died away and are totally moot. For example, gay marriage. Um, the two that they sort of hang on to and are now hanging their hats on, one are these procedural arguments about the deadline, and then the mm-hmm. other two are, I would say, the, mo- the most frequent that I hear are uh, abortion rights uh, and then also a lot of stuff about trans people and, and uh, some really heinous scare tactics around that. Yeah, it's just so maddening. And so going back... In the 70s, we got the 35 states, Phyllis Schlafly came along, put a halt to it, and then a deadline was attached. So that deadline expired, what was it, in 1983, I think, or 82? So the original deadline was set for 1979, uh, and that deadline was actually extended by Congress in 1978 before it expired to 1982. So a total of 10 years between 1972 and it was passed in 1982 when the the extended deadline, uh, when the deadline was extended to. So uh, that passed after the second go-round in the extension between 1979 and 1982, no additional states ratified. Mm -hmm. So by that time, you know, we were down to the least likely states. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of, you know, the Southern and the Mormon states were the only ones left. uh, And we were also running out of time. So that's when the opposition really ramped it up, organized in all these different states. They had uh, really scared people in all the state legislatures with a lot of these, um, you know, typical boogeyman arguments against marginalized groups. And they even got a few states to attempt to rescind their ratifications. So it's get, it's getting very dramatic at this yeah. point. Uh, but uh, several states, um, Nebraska, Tennessee, Idaho, Kentucky, South Dakota, and in this year of our Lord 2019, North Dakota, uh, attempted to rescind their wow. ratifications. Yeah. Oh, it's just so frustrating. So, so, but isn't it the, okay, the 27th Amendment was written, like, how many years ago, 200 years ago or something? And there was no deadline attached to it, and it got passed in, like, the 90s. Yes. So um, James Madison, that was one of the original amendments uh, that didn't make it into the Bill of Rights, um, but it's actually about congressional pay. It's not that, like controversial or sexy, Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, But it was originally written and then 203 years later, it was ratified in the 1990s. So that gave ERA advocates a lot of hope. Like, okay, if this amendment can be ratified 200 years later, Mm -hmm. 40 years isn't that bad. Uh, The problem with the, it's not directly analogous just because there was no deadline at the time when those amendments were originally proposed. 
there was no deadline attached mm-hmm. to it for ratification. So that's, it differs slightly from the Equal Rights Amendment, which did have a deadline. Interesting point about deadlines, uh, no amendments before uh, prohibition had a deadline attached, but they sort of created this deadline idea because prohibition was so wildly popular, but they also didn't want it to work. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, we're going to pass it, but we're also going to put a deadline in there. That's interesting. I didn't so know that work uh but it was ratified within a year so that was like a total failure right and it worked and it was ratified um of course then reversed later but um that's when the the sort of the i guess tradition of including a seven-year deadline which just seems kind of random started wow that's that's fascinating so now we've got um, the 35 states ratified back in the 70s, and then nothing happened. And then the two de- uh, the two extensions, or there was an extension put on, and then another one, and then they expired. And then oddly, I, I, you know, I got into the game in 2012, like I said. So that's when I became aware of the three state strategy was getting the last three states to ratify, and. Um, I know that in 2017, Nevada ratified and in 2018, Illinois ratified. Mm -hmm. So there is one more state that needs to be ratified. And of course, that could be, um, I know Virginia just lost, um, we were fighting really hard in Virginia and the, um, was it Mark Herring? Is that his name? I can't remember Uh, the guy's name. I think it was Mark Herring. They didn't allow it to go to a vote. So the Republican men decided that uh, women's equality in the Constitution wasn't important enough to go to a vote. So it just got squashed. And I know that other states are looking at it, like North Carolina and Arizona. Of course, they're red states or purple states. So as you mentioned, these are the harder to win over states. But um, let me ask you this. So let's say uh, we get a state, whether it's North, let's just say North Carolina. Let's say it ratifies it. What happens next? Yeah. So um, under the three state solution or strategy, uh, the idea is that you get this 38th state, which is what's required by the Constitution, uh, and then it becomes part of the Constitution. There's there's what I like to call a very open legal question about whether or not the deadline will impact that. Some say because Article 5 in the Constitution says nothing about deadlines, it just says that Congress has the power to decide the process, Hmm. uh, that Congress can do whatever it wants. So the idea under that line of argument is Congress put the deadline in, it hasn't existed with every amendment, and they could certainly take the deadline out. Mm-hmm. So there are two bills. Representative Speer has a bill, and Represent- or Senator Cardin has a bill, H.J. Res. 38 in the House, S.J. Res. 6 in the Senate, and those are to eliminate the deadline, not extend, eliminate. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other idea is, well, Deadlines are per se unconstitutional because Article 5 does set, is completely silent on the issue of deadlines. And there are other deadlines in the Constitution. For example, a census has to take place every 10 years. Uh, you know, Congress people serve for two years, blah, blah, blah. There are lots of deadlines in the Constitution and that did not put a deadline uh, for a ratification process. So the idea is this is per se unconstitutional. The 38th state ratifies, bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> it is part of the Constitution. I would love that to be true yes um wouldn't we all <laughs> but i'm not sure that it is so that that issue will have to be litigated in the meantime uh these legislators are trying to congressionally eliminate the deadline mm-hmm. interesting yeah well, how do and you how do so you we'll 
how do you feel about um, well actually you know what let me go to the hearing yesterday um obviously if you're paying attention to what's happening you were all over you know uh patricia arquette's wonderful speech and um all the little details but can you give us like a brief overview of not only just what happened but what the feel is like what, what you were you were there so like yeah. what feeling did you walk away with it was uh, I was a little nervous because it's the first hearing in 36 years. Yeah. Many people, particularly even in Congress, don't know about the Equal Rights Amendment. So this is, in some for, for many, the first foray into understanding the current fight for the Equal Rights Amendment. So I was a little nervous, um, but there it was in the Judiciary Committee, uh, in the subcommittee on the Constitution and Civil Rights, and uh yeah, the it's funny because the Judiciary Committee is like kind of sexy these days. You know? Yeah, really. Like of, <laughs> the Constitution is hanging by a thread at this point. Yeah, and they're they're the ones on the forefront of that. Uh, so it was Representative Nadler who called the hearing, which was amazing mm-hmm. given everything else that they're dealing with right now. Um, and it was incredible. Honestly, the room was packed uh, with ERA supporters. People came from all these states that you mentioned, like Arizona, North Carolina, you know, Virginia, all around. Uh, there were ERA supporters there, some of the legislators who passed uh, the ERA ratification bills in their states. Um, so there were three witnesses on behalf um, of uh of the, I guess, pro-ERA side. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Patricia Arquette, who's uh, an Oscar-winning actor uh, and longtime ERA advocate. Pat Spearman, who's a senator in Nevada, who, or sorry, Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) She she repeated several times. She's like, it is not Nevada. Only people on the East Coast say Nevada. (laughs) Uh, So she's from Nevada. Nevada, okay. Um, And uh, she basically single-handedly resurrected the three-state solution by getting it ratified in Nevada in 2017 following, you know, the Women's March and all these other things. So she brought it back from the dead. Uh, She's also a preacher, so I guess that's appropriate. Um, (laughs) And uh, she's black. She's queer. She spoke very eloquently about being at the intersection of all uh, different types of oppression. And her testimony was incredible. She, I mean, like... Pat Spearman for president, in my opinion. Um, And then uh, uh, there was another attorney, Kathleen Sullivan, who used to be the dean of Stanford Law School Hmm. uh, and now is in private practice and uh, has litigated at the Supreme Court. She's a very prominent constitutional attorney. And she spoke on a lot of the legal issues uh, extraordinarily eloquently and and I was you know very impressed not that she needs to be impressed by me um, <laughs> or that I need to be impressed by her so um, there was one uh, so it's a three to one ratio in these hearings um, so the majority party gets three witnesses and the minority or opposition gets one mm-hmm. so it was three to one and then the other person who spoke against the ERA was of course a woman because they love putting right. women front of, of anti-women causes uh so this person her name is elizabeth foley she's also a professor at a law school in florida i believe um and she was disappointing uh but you know it, it is what it is predictable she, right she, yeah predictable. she made 
most of her arguments were procedural. Uh, so she talked a lot about the deadline um, and how if she, she kept saying that she's, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. Um, so I don't oppose the ERA. I just think they should do it the right way. So, and the right way, according to her, is uh, the clean slate solution. So mm-hmm. Car- Carolyn Maloney has what's called the clean slate solution, which is to pass an entirely new ERA in Congress and get it ratified by uh, new, newly ratified again by three-fourths of the states. So that's obviously a heavy, heavier lift. Yeah, and why um, should we have to go through that? Give me a break. Yeah, like if if this many states thought that women should be equal in yeah. the 1970s, like let's just go ahead. And <laughs> yeah, let's that. let's move into the 21st uh, century and, and be progressive. Oh my God, yeah. it's so ridiculous. So I would say overall, the hearing was really impressive. The questioning was fantastic. I felt really proud. Um, And the thing I felt proudest about was actually the fact that the trans issues came up Mm -hmm. and everyone testified very straightforwardly and bravely about it um, because I know it's an argument that anti-ERA folks use a lot. And so sometimes there's this question about how, how we should talk about it. And, you know, like I said, the 13 states that are left are all these very, very conservative anti-woman states um so it's hard it's hard in those places like you're trying to pass the ratify the era in like louisiana Mm -hmm. missouri florida like virginia you know the when virginia is your absolutely best shot right (laughs) (laughs) no kidding um so they did a great job they all said very straightforwardly that yes trans people should be included i audibly whispered trans women are women Mm mm-hmm which was like my only break in decorum uh, <laughs> and, and the entire time. And this woman, this anti-era woman like tracked me down after wow. the hearing was like, I heard you say trans women are women, blah, 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 oh blah, God. went up rant on me. So anyways, uh, I was really impressed and very proud of the way that they put that on the record, because as we know, what's said on the record in Congress can much further down the road be used to interpret what the amendment will actually mean. Hmm. So if it's never mentioned, if trans rights are never mentioned and, you know, in yes. 40 years, the Supreme Court looks back at the transcript of all the hearings and says, well, it was never supposed to mean that, yeah. you know, we look at the transcripts and no one ever said it was to include trans people. Um, and if we don't include that, then that actually is closer to being true. So I'm just really excited that the opposite is now true. Right. And um, that it, on the record that that is what it's supposed to mean uh and also explicit uh kathleen sullivan the attorney who testified explicitly said that um uh discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation as well oh good so uh yeah that was very very exciting patricia arquette testified very eloquently and has a trans sister um so uh one of the uh one of the legislators went on this very strange rant about how women should be afraid of trans people in bathrooms. Oh my and it was, God. it was just hideous, like really despicable. And she eloquently countered that by saying that she has a trans sister in her own house who she grew up with. And there was nothing scary about it except for who was going to uh, replace the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I love Patricia Arquette. <laughs> and so it's just this great personal example of like, how dare you yeah. try to scare us? How dare you try to scare women with other vulnerable, uh, vulnerable, you know, uh, marginalized genders? Mm-hmm. Like we are, no one is going to be left behind in that. Mm-hmm. So, I so now really that, proud. now that we've had this hearing, 
what does the hearing accomplish? Just so, getting it on the record? Getting it on the record. And um, the next thing that needs to happen is a full markup on the bill in the full hearing. So this was in a subcommittee mm -hmm. um, and the, the full judiciary will have to have a markup hearing on it um, and then move the, the bill forward for a vote. So that's going to take a lot of political will. Yeah. Um, which I hope is, you know, that's another thing that the, the purpose of the hearing is to like garner this political will and to let people know about it. And again, there's Congress people, people in, many probably people in Congress who don't even know mm -hmm. what the ERA is or that it was never ratified. So it's really building momentum for it to pass in the House. Of course, there's also a bill in the Senate. Uh, Senator Cardin was at uh, the hearing and at the press conference, uh, and he's doing sort of a different strategy. So the House bill obviously has many, many, you know, probably 200 sponsors um, or co-sponsors. And then the Senate bill only has four. And the reason the Senate bill only has four is they're going two by two. So it's a 100% bipartisan bill. So they will not add a Democratic senator until they add a Republican senator. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the way the current Senate stands is the only way to get something done. Um, and so they do have two Republican co-sponsors, Murkowski and Collins, uh, which is very exciting. Yeah. And working on getting more. Um, so if anyone listening, if your senator has not co-sponsored the Equal Rights Amendment bill, go ahead and give them a call, especially if they're a Republican. If they're a Republican, um, they're just, you know, there are many Republicans who are supporting the bill. There's also a Republican co-sponsor um, on the House side, Senator, or Representative Reed, who represents Seneca Falls in New York and is a Republican, is also a co-sponsor of the bills. So the idea is to have this bipartisan approach. And honestly, the Equal Rights Amendment has always been uh, bipartisan. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was on the bo both platforms of both political parties until 1972 when it passed. Um, so for 40 years, it was on the Republican Party platform. Um, Lady Bird Johnson fought for it. Like a lot of Republicans fought for the ERA um, in these most recent state fights. So both in Nevada and Illinois, there were Republican sponsors in, in Virginia Senate where it did pass in the Virginia Senate this year. It had a Republican right. sponsor patron um and so yeah there are people of all parties who understand that basic equality makes sense well and it's you know i think it was wasn't it introduced initially by republicans back uh in 23 if alice paul was a republican yes um and at the time the parties kind of right different than they do today uh and i guess a lot of these like really strict divides along culture lines didn't exist at the time um but yeah yeah well you know i like to um one of the things that i noticed when you're online and you're talking about um, women deserve to be in the constitution women deserve to have equal rights i i encounter a lot of men who will say, what rights do I have that you don't have? That's and, such a favorite. <laughs> that's, they love to say that. And so <laughs> the thing is, is that 
I like to frame the debate a little bit differently, and, and here's why. Because when I hear that, it's like, well, obviously women do have rights. I mean, we can we can vote, we can we can um, run for president, we can do all kinds of things. We have we do have a lot of rights, but it, it really comes down to nuance. So if you're a woman who has experienced uh, gender discrimination, if you've received less pay than your male counterpart, um, people don't think in terms of that as a right per se. Um, and then what they'll do if you bring up gender pay, they're going to try to write it off with all of the conservative talking points. I mean, there is some truth to the idea that yes, women sometimes choose positions where they're going to earn less. But when you go, you know, like, for instance, in a government job, all those jobs, they have to pay equally. Um, at least that's what I believe. I mean, I'm under that impression. I may be wrong about that, but I mean, usually those those salaries are made public and they have to pay men and women the same thing. But you get into like a private company and that's it could be a different story. So I like to say that it's not just about equal rights for women. It's about protection against gender discrimination. And there was this conservative man who was not a jerk, but um, he started off with the what what rights do I have that you don't? And so I, I did bring up that uh, the late and very conservative Antonin Just, uh, Antonin, Justice Antonin Scalia had said that, you know, there is no protection in the Constitution against gender discrimination. He said it wasn't, you know, it's not in the Constitution that you have to discriminate, but it's also not in the Constitution that there's, the, there's no protection for it. So I showed him that article. I also um, gave him a couple of different websites to go to that list, um, you know, like, for instance, there's the Equal Rights Amendment.org, and then there's, like, the why, and, it, and there's all these reasons, and it's not just about equal pay, it's about, um, it's so many different things, all the way from, like, violence to pregnancy discrimination, there's so many different reasons it's needed, sex, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of sex discrimination. So anyway, he took yeah. a look at it. And, and when I framed it that way, he said, well, you know what? I think we do need an ERA. So mm. interestingly, this man, you know, I mean, I, I occasionally. He's a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, man exactly. changed his, night, his mind when <laughs> and, confronted with facts. <laughs> and sometimes I can get a little sarcastic and bitchy when I, because, you know, you hear it every day. You're online and you're constantly being challenged by men who don't want equality. It's the same it's argument. Like, where are and you it's hearing this? Is there like an ERA, like frequently, frequent, frequent toll question? Exactly. For ERA? <laughs> and it's frustrating because they're condescending about it. And so yes. that's well, why. This is what I always say, um, you know, and, and for me, it's also most uh, annoying, I guess, when the argument comes from women. Yes. Uh, when women are like, I'm totally equal. I don't need the ERA. Yeah. Um, and what I always say and have long said is that equality is not a feeling. Mm -hmm. You can feel respected. You can feel, uh, you know, very welcome in your profession. You can feel all these different things, but equality is measurable. There are literally thousands of metrics that tell us that women are not equal in our country. Yeah. That includes weight gap. That includes participation in Congress. That includes presence on board. That includes sexual assault rates. All of these different metrics that are very concrete markers that women are not equal in our country. That's simply not true. And whether you feel, however you feel about it, <laughs> does not change that fact. And I think you just have to put it differently. 
it's very annoying when they always say, what rights do women do men have that women don't? Okay, fine. Women don't have the right to be free from violence. Women don't have the right to be free from sexual harassment in the workplace. Women don't have the right to be free um, uh, to get adequate health care when they need it. They don't have the right to get uh, leave, medical leave, when mm-hmm. they have a pregnancy. Women don't have the right to earn equal pay for equal work. Those are rights that men have, mm-hmm. but they can't see because mm-hmm. it doesn't impact them. Mm-hmm. So to put it in a way... That, that they can understand. These are all the rights we don't have. You can't see it because it doesn't impact you, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so difficult about it is, is trying to um, stay sane when you're communicating mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. constantly have something um, condescending to come back at you with. And then, and then they just resort to calling you a name. <laughs> yes. Yes. Appearance. First thing they say is yes. something about your appearance. And that's and you're just like, so sad. That is just so sad and pathetic. Oh my God. But I, I, I feel confident with this. And you know, the other thing I wanted to bring up is um, I'm very glad to see that Kamala Harris talked about the Equal Rights Amendment without being prompted. You know, she was, I think she was yeah. asked, yeah, she was asked a question like, what are you going to do for women? And she said, let's, the you know, first thing she said, yeah, let's get the Equal Rights Amendment passed. And so that was incredibly surprising and exciting to hear. Um, and I was really thrilled, too, because a couple of days ago, I saw Pete Buttigieg saying that um, it would be retro for someone like him to bring up the ERA. And of course, a lot of people yelled at me for that because I said that it's not a retro thing. And um he wasn't saying ERA was retro per se. He was saying it would be retro for him. But in my mind, that's the same thing. And it, I wasn't attacking him. I just, I don't. He did come out yesterday after the hearing yes. and say. Yeah. That's what I wanted to bring up because like the other yeah. day, um, I, I all I wanted is that there is so much misinformation about this amendment and there's so much um controversy where there shouldn't be so for him to say it's retro even as a young man to bring it up it's not a retro idea it passed in nevada and or nevada in 2017 (laughs) and in illinois so it's not retro it's happening right now there's a groundswell a movement that's happening and it's been happening um, for several years so yes i don't want it to and if you're a presidential candidate you should know that there is a currently active movement to yes. change the constitution. Yes. I feel like that's just pretty basic. Exactly. <laughs> but as you said, a lot of uh, a lot of people don't even understand what it is, much less that it never passed. I mean, yeah. I'm 50 years old. And in 2012, when um, Kamala Lopez asked me if I knew if women and men were equal, I assumed we were. And I remember, you know, I mean, my mother was a feminist and she raised me as a single mother and um, she was part of that whole second wave movement of feminists. And so, you know, I grew up watching television shows that told me women were equal and I I saw the women marching in the streets. And so I just automatically assumed that it it was that way, which so many people have, including members of Congress. And so... In 2013, and I'll be brief about this because people who know me know that I've done this, but I joined a group of women who were working on the three-state strategy. And so I said, look, I'm a blogger. I have a lot of reach on Facebook, so I can be the bad cop. If you're running into a, a congressional representative or whatever who is not going along with it, 
I can tell them that I'm going to write an unflattering article about them, <laughs> you know, and, and basically hold their feet to the fire. So I did that. And I got, um, I, you know, at the time, I, and I'm going to give him a lot of credit right now, especially what he's doing with the Russia investigation. But Mark Warner's office in Virginia um, was basically just giving us the runaround. You know, women in Virginia were visiting his office and talking to his chief of staff and getting nowhere. So I called up his chief of staff and I just said, look, my name's Kimberly. I'm writing for this blog. I want, um, I'd like to know why Mark Warner is not signing on to this resolution to remove the deadline. And, you know, if he doesn't um, do it, can I please get a statement? And, and if he doesn't give me a statement, I'm just going to be forced to assume why he's not doing it. <laughs> and I'm going to write about it. Yeah. So um, the, the chief of staff said to me, why are you threatening me? And I said, well, I'm only letting you know that there are women out, you know, in the country who want to see a past equal rights amendment. And if, if you're in the way, we have to expose you. So they didn't give me any kind of um, yeah. they didn't care. So I wound up writing uh, an unflattering blog post about Mark Warner. And within a, a few hours, um, he was like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. And then he wound up signing the resolution. So I did this with a couple of different. <laughs> Funny um, how that works. It is, isn't it? Um, and you know, and, and I think it, he needed a push, you know. And it's I, I don't want to I don't want to paint him in a negative light because he did come around, and I think he's doing a really good job right now. So I'm grateful, but he did need that push, and a lot of them need that push. And I and eventually I stopped doing it because I wasn't able to convince everybody. I wrote unflattering articles about a few people, and they just didn't care. And that pisses me off because they're Democrats and they should be caring. But, yeah. um, you know, and, and then we were going into 2014 and I wasn't going to write unflattering articles about people in an election year. So I stopped. And I also felt awful. It was just a it was a horrible feeling. Um, you know, I can look back and laugh and go, ha ha, I got him to do it. But at the time, I felt sick to my stomach. I hated doing it. So um, I'm really glad to know that we have come a long way since 2013. We've gotten two states ratified. I mean, I haven't, but I've, yeah. I've been part the of the... collective we. It is a collective <laughs> we. And Alice Paul, who wrote the amendment, said that we're basically all making this patch, like we're all part of a patchwork quilt. I think yeah. that's what she, the, the term she used, or a mosaic, or it was one of those. Yeah, I think it was mosaic. Mosaic. Yeah. So we're all a part of that. We're all a, a small piece, and each one of our pieces add to the bigger picture. And so, um, oh, I also wanted to ask you, could you tell everybody, because you mentioned to contact uh, your senators and representatives. So what are the bills in the House that if they call their representative, what are the resolutions, the names of the resolutions? Yeah, so um, the main resolution in the House is sponsored by Representative Jackie Spear, and it is uh, House Resolution 38, which is easy to remember because uh, we need 38 states mm -hmm. in order to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, and then the resolution on the Senate side is uh, Representative, or sorry, Senator Cardin's bill, and uh, that is Senate Resolution 6 and his Equal Rights Amendment resolution. And really what's needed for that is uh, Republican co-sponsors. So if you right. are represented in the Senate by any Republicans, particularly if they're, you know, somewhat reasonable or women or um, maybe would have some kind of inclination uh, to support women's equal rights, uh, then let them know. Yeah, you just find out who your um, your senators are. 
and give them a call and always be polite, yes. you know, yes. and you, you won't get to talk to your senator, but you'll talk to a receptionist. Put and, it on the log. Yeah, put it on the <laughs> log. And, and like I said, it's always good to be, you know, don't be rude, just be friendly and, and respectful and yeah. make that request. And then I always say, you know, ask a friend to do it. Post online that you did it. Yes, um, look yes. it up online to make sure you know what you're talking about. Sometimes you can find really good scripts and um, completely. And there's also if you're in an unratified state. Uh, so there are 13 states that are unratified and there are active fights uh, to ratify in almost every state that's left. Mm hmm. So they're all the states in the South. And like I said, the Mormon states. So Arizona uh, um, is one of them. And uh, so uh, the idea there, if you want to get involved, is for the state legislature to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. So you can find out about that on our website, equalitynow.org. You can find out about that at the ERA Coalition. Um, and there are independent coalitions in each state so like in virginia it's called va ratify era mm -hmm. um, in north carolina it's the nc era alliance so they all have their own individual homegrown organizations uh that are advocating for ratification in their state if you don't live in a state um that's yet to ratify uh, you can support those organizations. So you can do phone banking. You can do, you know, if you live in California and, and you know, you have time on your hands, you can donate, you can do phone banking, you mm -hmm. can do a lot to support the state fights for ratification, uh, even if you don't live in one of those states. Yeah, because all we need is that one more state. And yeah. and then we'll, I mean, it, it's not to say that that's just going to be the answer to all of our prayers, but it's certainly it, getting that 38th state is a yeah. big deal. I remember Mark Warner was telling us, go get all states ratified and then come back to us. And it's like, Ugh. and so, but it's it seems to be happening. So, um, and that was before he signed on to the resolution. So that's, you know, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to talk to you today because yeah. you've answered some questions for me and um, I'm sure people out there listening, you know, it, there are so many um, ways to find out. Just, e you know, Google the e the ERA Coalition. What What is your site again? Uh, it's equalitynow.org. Yeah, there's all kinds of, and just you could Google the Equal Rights Amendment. You can read all about it. Um, and then you can get involved and we need everybody to get involved because I would like, you know, to, to push all the candidates to talk about it. And I'm glad Pete Buttigieg the other day, you mentioned, you know, he, uh, yesterday he tweeted about the need for it. So perhaps yeah. he saw, uh, the tweets to him that this was not a retro subject <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, I get it now, which is yeah. what I was looking for. I mean, it's not an yeah. attack. It's like, come on, you got to talk get about this train. with knowledge yeah. And yeah. I would love for Elizabeth Warren and all of the candidates, Joe Biden, Beto O'Rourke, no matter no matter who you're voting for or who yes. your preference is, doesn't matter. What matters yep. is that we get and I, I would like to say this too. Um somebody had made a comment, at least on one of my Facebook pages, I put up the Pete Buttigieg quote and so this person basically was very um, condescending toward him as if, you know, oh, you're bringing it up now, but we've been talking about it forever. Well, th this is the point. People, when when this person said we, this person meant women have been, you know, women activists, right. but it has not been in the national conversation. No. And For we need, years. yeah. I, I was born in 1980. Anyone under my age has no idea what yeah. the Equal Rights Amendment is, period. It's just, it, it died after we were born 
I mean, it divide it died before we were born, and we were not part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And every person under the age of forty has to learn about the Equal Rights Amendment anew. Yes, uh, and that's because for many reasons, including but not limited to, let's say we get the Equal Rights Amendment ratified in two years. It's not going to mean what we want it to mean until we fight for it and Mm -hmm. make it what we want it to mean for decades to come. Mm -hmm. And so we need young people. We need bright, uh, you know, we need bright attorneys, bright activists, bright lawmakers um, to really be engaged in this fight and know about it because then we have to spend the next century making the ERA as powerful as the First Amendment, as the Second Amendment, exactly. as all of these other amendments. Yeah, and, and the thing that everybody has to keep in mind is that when women are paid the same as men, um, when, when their salaries go up, I should say, to match men, this helps the economy. It helps the economy in many ways because women have more money that they can go put back into the economy. They also earn more in Social Security, which they put back into the economy. So this is an economic issue, not just an equality issue. And um, anyway, so I'm so glad that- ERA forever. Yes, ERA now, ERA forever. Um, I'm so glad that you have been able to enlighten us. Is there anything that you wanted to add? Yeah, I would say, um, I guess I'll just do a little plug for my own uh, purposes. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote an article, not many people write or talk about um, the issue of inclusion of all marginalized genders in the Equal Rights Amendment. I really think it's a conversation that we need to start having as a movement. So I did write a piece about it. Um, It's called The ERA is Queer. You can just Google that or Google my name. It's um, at The Advocate. And I really think we need... um, LGBTQIA groups and other yes. groups to pick up the ERA and and learn about how it would impact those communities as well. So yeah, that's what I would say. Learn about it, um, and we can make it what we want it to be. Um, and so we need everyone to have a seat at this table. Well, I'm going to include your article in the text Thanks. of our Patreon description. Okay. A lot about the ERA, so people can follow me, Kate Kelly ESQ with underscores in between. Um, and yeah, ERA now is the main hashtag that everyone uses. Mm-hmm. So just get on Twitter. I mean, ERA Twitter is very small. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we need to grow it. There aren't a ton of people. I have a list. Um, so if anyone wants to see other people who are covering the ERA on Twitter, um, you're on there, of course. Um, and so, yeah, get on Twitter, get on social media, hashtag ERA now, let people know you're learning about it. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. Awesome. All right. Well, so we're going to, I'm going to put all of your um, sites on the text description. And uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, author Kimberly, and that's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And then you can also follow Steph, who's not here today, but she's at Lady Brain Show. And of course, we love your comments on Patreon. We're building a community. So I always look forward to your comments and I hope that you'll leave some. And thank you, Kate. This has been a really great conversation. And thank you for the work that you do. Um, thank you for going to the hearing, for writing the ERA. Every uh, What is it called? Um, the ERA is queer. Um, so thank you for all of it. And thank you for talking to me today. Absolutely. Thanks for this reunion. This yes. 2012 reunion. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> all right. Well, you take care. And we will see you um, end another thing with David Ferguson in just a little bit. So thanks Cheers. for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.